You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Uh, if, you've, if you've got a phone and you've got your version on your phone and want to follow along the scriptures and make notes on your phone, don't forget you can look for our version event. It's there. It should be live, ready to go if you want to use that. Or even to look at what we spoke about afterwards when you get home. There's a good summary there. Okay. We're going to read from Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 13. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. In God's family, we find that we each have a purpose. We are called Christ's body. Together, we are a living, breathing organism created to fulfill our Father's will on the earth. It takes every one of us to make it complete, for we each have different work to do. We belong to each other, and each needs all the others. If a foot should say, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that would not stop it from being part of the body. If the ear should say, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, that would not stop it from being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would it smell? And likewise, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Or the hand cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. But God has put all the parts into the body just as he wants to have them. And all the parts care for each other. There are different kinds of gifts but it is the same Holy Spirit who gives them. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. To others, He gives the power to do miracles. To others, He gives the ability to prophesy. All the gifts are produced by one and the same Spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. Do you have the gift of prophecy? Then use it according to the faith you have. Is your gift serving? Then serve. Is it teaching? Then teach. Is it encouraging others? Then encourage them. Is it giving to others? Then give freely. Is it being a leader? Then work hard at it. Is it showing mercy? then do it cheerfully. Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. 
As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And we're continuing on in our series on spiritual fitness. And a healthy Christian life needs healthy relationships. You need to belong and relate and be with other Christians in order to effectively outwork your faith and be living the Jesus kind of life. Because that's what we've been looking at over this series, isn't it? How to live the Jesus kind of life. What does it look like to be spiritually fit? And a key part of being spiritually fit is the relationships we have together as the church. Now, when we receive Jesus, we become part of his body. We become part of the church. You're not born again as an independent entity, are you? You're born into a family. You're born into the family of God. And, and the expression of this on earth, of course, is called the church, isn't it? You are born again into the church. You know, a baby is not born independent, are they? They're born into a family. Uh, in the animal kingdom, there are two types of animals a bit of a um, nature lesson for us this afternoon. Two types of animals, precocial animals and altricial animals. Anyone familiar with those terms? Very, oh, one person, I was going to say that's good because if I got it wrong off Wikipedia, then I'll get away with it, won't I? Oh, don't spoil it. Precocial animals. <laughs> they're, they're, look, they're, precocial animals, I'll, here, I'll, I'll let everyone know. You tell me if I'm right. Precocial animals are animals that are very independent quickly after birth. So, for example, some birds are ready to leave the nest within a day or two. They're able to find their own food and just generally look after themselves. Some birds can even fly on the same day they were hatched. Uh, Bill, uh, blue wildebeest are, are also precocial animals. And so their calves can actually stand within an average of six minutes after birth. They can walk within 30 minutes. And within a day, they can outrun a hyena. They're born pretty independent, aren't they? Precocial animals aren't, aren't so much born into a, a family and need nurturing. You know, they're, they're kind of born into the chicken coop. They're born into the world and off they kind of go on their own, and they're okay on their own. Altricial animals, on the other hand, they're animals that need a lot of help and care from their parents. They need to be nursed, they need to be reared, they need to be nourished. So, for example, cats. Uh, the newborn domestic cat uh, can't see, can't hear, can't maintain their own body temperature, they can't gag, and... Um, Wikipedia puts this very delicately. They require external stimulation to defecate and urinate. And I'll just leave that to your imagination. Um, but, you know, like, like human beings, we complain about changing nappies. I wouldn't want to be a mother cat, you know? No. Uh, altricial animals are born into a herd, a litter, a nest. They're born into a family. And when we're born again, when we receive Jesus into our life, we are altricial creatures. We need to be nursed, cared for, nourished in our faith by other more mature believers. And as we grow and mature in our faith, we then begin to care for and disciple other new Christians. So the basic premise of what I want to say to you today is we need to belong to be healthy. We need to belong to be healthy. 
And the Bible says that we actually belong to each other. Romans 12, 5. We read that before. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to the others. So if you look around, if you look to the person sitting behind you or in front of you, have a look at them for a minute. You belong to them. You belong to them. They, they belong to you. Hey, I, I belong to you. And you belong to me. We're, we're, we're here together for each other. Question is, of course, how do we belong? How do we belong? Because sitting in beautiful blue chairs once a week doesn't mean that we belong automatically, does it? How do we belong? You know, God has gifted us in a special way to specifically build up the church and for the church to function well. And for you to live the healthy Jesus life, you need to belong to that. Belonging is about giving to one another and receiving from one another. So belonging is about giving and receiving. I wonder if you just to, to think just quickly to yourself, how has my life been gifted and blessed by the gifts of other people in the church? How has my life been blessed by other people in the church? And, and I'm hoping it won't take you too long to think of a few things just to yourself. How you've been blessed by others in the church. I, I'm certain that if, if other people had not been using their gifts to, to bless me, to disciple me, to encourage me, I would not be the person I am today. And I certainly wouldn't be following God's call in my life. You know, I've lost count of the number of times I've found the answer to what I've needed by being at church on a Sunday, by spending time with another Christian during the week or in Bible study, time and time again. And for you to step into the call, the plans, the purposes that God has for you, you need to be connected to this living organism called the, the, the church, the body of Christ, because we belong to one another. So we're going to look specifically at some of those gifts, and we're just going to have a, have a bit, bit more of a, a closer look at them. So in Romans 12, 6 to 8, that passage we read, I'll just reread part of it. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace each given us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now let's start at the top one there. Prophesying. Prophesying. There's been... Quite a few times, someone has, has spoken God's word into my life, either directly or indirectly in some way, and it has made a huge impact. And maybe you're the same. If others here had a, had a word from God spoken into their life in some way, and it's been just really instrumental in, in um, changing um, who you are or what you step into or, or somehow forming Christ in you. I think about quite a few years ago, before we, before we moved here, um, uh, Ken Legg, I don't know if you've, you've heard any of Ken Legg's teaching, but he was speaking at a Bible school in Narendra and uh, he was just doing his thing. He was just teaching and I was down the back and I was listening and all of a sudden his teaching started to become 
quite incredibly relevant to where, where I was at at that time. And, and, and it sort of uh, turned from being teaching to really quite prophetic words for me. And as he was speaking these words, and, and it really, um, really resonated incredibly powerfully in my life, and it just really answered some questions I'd been having, and it really uh, propelled me into that next season of life that God had for me, which was at the time to resign from my job and to uh, step into some, some ministry staff and, and pursuing pastoring. And I think if, if he hadn't given that prophetic word, would have I have had the courage to, to change courses and, and to step into what God was stirring in my life? Um, I think about a, a couple of prophecies from Rob Bailey. Again, they, they'd come at times when I was questioning that calling, uh, struggling with the courage to step into it. And he's just given this word that has just been sort of like, you know, the rock of Jesus to stand on and, and giving me the courage to step into those things. And there have been others too. But prophecy is a really powerful and significant gift that, that we receive and, and give in the body of Christ. Um, some, some people like, like Rob, you know, specifically prophesy, don't they? I'm going to give you a prophetic word now and, and off they go. Uh, but, but other people, they're not necessarily uh, specifically sharing you a prophetic word. They're just talking, they're just sharing, but God somehow makes it incredibly uh, timely and, and relevant and the words become living words. So I want to encourage you, prophecy is not just thus saith the Lord, Okay. It, you don't have to start with that in your sentence for it to be prophecy. Prophecy can be as simple as, here's a scripture I'd just like to share with you. Prophecy can happen in ordinary conversation. I don't know, have you ever noticed that sometimes you can be having a conversation with someone or maybe you can be sitting in Bible study and you're just saying something to someone and all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the thoughts that you're sharing and the words you're saying sort of shift and you can feel the presence of God there. And as you're speaking these words into them and you're experiencing God, you, you, you're sort of um, releasing someone's potential and destiny. And, um, you know, they're, they're words that seem to carry uh, life and depth to them. And it's not that you've set out to share a prophetic word with that person, but you've just been there, you've been open, you've been available, and God has spoken through you. Has, any, has anyone ever had that, that experience where you've just been sharing something and then all of a sudden it becomes a bit weightier? Yeah, a few people? Yep. I'd encourage us in your daily business, be open to the Holy Spirit to guide you with words to speak to people. You, you don't have to label it prophecy. Don't try too hard. You know, when we try too hard with this stuff, we usually mess it up. Don't try too hard. Just be yourself. Be open. And uh, I think you'll see God really speaking through you into other people's lives. So that's prophecy. The next one is serving. If it is serving, then serve. How do you feel when someone cooks your meal? Very good. I feel fantastic. <laughs> Or when someone cleans your windows, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, when you have your needs met in some way by someone. I mean, how do you feel when that happens? You know, what difference does it make to your life? Huge. It's powerful, isn't it? And then conversely, how do you feel when you're the one serving someone else? Hmm? When you help someone in some way. How does that make you feel? It's a joy, isn't it? It's, it's a good thing to do. 
Uh, if we were to jump down to verse 13 there, it tells us to practice hospitality. And I'd say that's service too, isn't it? That's a special way to serve, isn't it? Hospitality, opening up your home, inviting others in to share your, your life, having them over for a meal, for a coffee, for a chat. Some people's homes are, are those just drop in anytime kind of places, aren't they? Don't you love that? Those just call in anytime kind of homes. When I was growing up, um, my aunts and uncles and all my cousins lived on neighbouring farms. So there was sort of this whole, whole row of adjoining farms of, of, of relatives. And, um, and the homes were all drop-in anytime kind of homes. And the kettle was always on. There was always a biscuit or a bit of fruitcake or something there somewhere. And it's great, isn't it? And what I want to say is, hey, can CRC Coolman, can we be a drop-in anytime kind of family? You know, that's, that's what makes us belong, isn't it? And not just be, you know, members of the sports club or something. You know, you really feel like you belong, don't you, when you have a meal in someone's home, don't you? That's, that's when you really feel like you're, you're, you're part of the furniture a bit, when you have a meal with someone. So I'd say, who, who have you invited around for a meal lately? Um, if you're gifted at hospitality, you'll do it all the time, won't you? If that's not your gift, then you might not do it often, but I'd say try and do it sometimes. Try and do it sometimes. And if you're hopeless at cooking, just ordering takeaway. I mean, there's ways, isn't there? There's ways. <laughs> now, our mission is to have a point of connection with every home in the Coolamon Shire, meeting needs, bringing love, acceptance and forgiveness in Jesus' name. But, but the, the little part there, meeting needs, that's all about serving. We're here to serve each other. We're here to serve our community. But hey, we've got to start with each other and let it all flow out from there, don't we? And I've witnessed some amazing acts of service in this church, things that you guys have done for each other. Keep it up. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Don't stop it. Keep serving each other. Look for ways to bless each other. Do things that will benefit one another. And that might be serving on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday, or any day of the week. It's something anyone can do. It really is. It is something anyone can do. We see that often we have the, the kids or the teenagers in the kitchen uh, helping to serve or helping to prep. Well done. Keep doing it, guys. Those who come to set up the hall, it's not really a glamorous job, is it? But um, it's essential. So thank you for serving us in that way. The music team. How good are our music team? Hey, thank you for serving us in that way. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of courage, a lot of, you know, years of practice for all of them to get to that stage. Um, thank you. I remember a church that I was at years ago, we had the infamous CD Sundays. <laughs> you know, those where there's no musicians and it's a CD player. And I tell you what, that's tough. That's tough, so thank you, worship team. Our main music team, washing dishes and vacuuming every Wednesday for mums and dads and toddlers. Again, it's not glamorous work, but gosh, it's essential. It is kingdom-building work. You, you, you might think that rubber gloves and a sink of water is kingdom-building work, but it is. So thank you, thank you. We belong to one another. And Jesus said, when you serve someone else, you are really serving 
him. So go for it. Get out there. Be someone's blessing. Next one, teaching. The church needs good quality teaching, don't we? We need people who are able to interpret the Bible in a faithful way and teach biblical concepts to people in a way they understand and can apply to their life. Otherwise, we will go astray. It is guaranteed. Jesus said it, didn't he? Like sheep. We are like sheep. The word of God is it's living, it's active, it's like a sword. But we know, need people who, who can show us how to use our swords, don't we? We need people to encourage us to pick them up and see their value. The Bible can be a really mysterious thing without a bit of guidance, can't it? If we're not connected with a church community and aren't receiving teaching from a church community, we risk becoming a theological eccentric, kind of like the Christian equivalent of the crazy cat lady. You know, you stay at home on your own, just you and your millions of Bibles, <laughs> and uh, no contact with anyone except the internet. I tell you what, you can indulge in any spiritual obsession you have on your own. You can immerse yourself in so much of one obscure doctrine or teaching. You can sit at home and think that Jesus is telling you A, B, C, or Z, or a letter of the alphabet that doesn't even exist. And you can be sure that the Bible says virtually anything and find a website or blog out there somewhere that will prove that you're right. You know, and there are a lot of crazy Christian cat ladies and men out there. And we need to be part of church life so that our ideas about God and the Bible can be tested and can be challenged. Our ideas about how to apply scripture to our lives can be discussed and worked through. So that the life challenges you face every day um, can, can be addressed. You know, the, the Bible doesn't have a reference in there to say, well, how much, you know, smartphone use is appropriate. Oh, I don't know. But in the context of Christian community, we can work through some of those things, can't we? A great place for this to happen is in Bible study. And, uh, you know, if you have an idea or a, a thought about Scripture that's a bit out there, I tell you what, in Bible study, others are going to correct you <laughs> and gently reshape your ideas. And you'll be able to do the same thing with others when they have a few crazy ideas. Oh, we all get crazy ideas about things sometimes, don't we? That's why we need each other. Scripture, I believe Scripture is to be read and interpreted primarily as a community because that's the context that it was written in. That was who it was written to, communities. And that's how primarily it is to be read and interpreted and absorbed, not just as an individual. So if your gift is teaching, if your gift is teaching, what I would say to you is, and if you're maybe, maybe you're not sure, you know, is my gift teaching? Is it not? I don't know. You think maybe it is. You want to test the waters. I'd say get into a Bible study group. Start using your gift in an informal way. See how people respond to the way you explain and apply scripture. It's a good way to just test out your gift. I'd say join the kids' church team. You know, explaining concepts to kids is a great way to test how well you actually understand it. That is a good way to test out your gift. You know, and if you come and see me if you'd like to buddy up with someone on the kids' church roster for you to have a go. Happy to happy to get you on the team. 
Get equipped is the other thing I'd say to you. Do some formal study. And by formal, I mean not just the internet kind of teaching. I mean formal because you'll get a balanced diet of teaching. You'll get exposed to new ideas and new ways of thinking and understanding the Bible. And you will learn from really gifted, trustworthy, reliable teachers. If that's something you'd like to do, come and see me and I'll flick you some info about some different courses that you can do. I'd say to everyone, even if you don't consider yourself a teacher, be part of church life so that you can receive from the teachers. Be challenged in your reading of scripture. Hear the word taught in a way that is transformational. Discuss your life in the light of scripture with others and and together we outwork our salvation. The next one, encouraging. I love this one. Don't you love this gift? Encouraging. How powerful is it when someone says something encouraging to you? I mean, I feel so loved and empowered when someone says, go for it. I believe in you. You can do it. You're doing a great job. There's a psychological study that they did quite a few years ago and they timed people standing on one leg, how long they could stand on one leg, right? And one group received verbal encouragement to do it. Come on, yeah, you can do it. Keep standing on that leg. Go for it. Come on, you're doing a good job. Bit longer, bit longer. And, and, and then the other group didn't receive any encouragement. They just had to stand there. And the group that were encouraged... Get this, performed up to 40% better at the task. That is a really big number. I mean, I haven't done stats recently, but that's a, that's a pretty significant uh, difference, isn't it? Just by receiving verbal encouragement. Hey, come on, guys, you can do it. <laughs> encouragement is a powerful gift. I really believe you can move mountains with this gift, with the right kind of encouragement at the right time. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? Conversely, on the other side, I think mountains that you experience in life can be moved if you get alongside the right sort of encouraging people. So you can, you can give encouragement to move someone else's mountain or you can have a mountain in your life and get alongside an encourager and I think you'll see that mountain shift. Encouragement changes what we do. I, mean, I wonder, can you think of something that you've done because you're encouraged by someone else to do it? Encouragement changes behaviour. Think about your kids. You love encouraging them. You love to see that their full potential is realised. You you love, you know, cheering them on at, at sports games, congratulating them when they do well at a test, telling them how awesome they are because they belong to you, don't they? You're part of the same family and you just love heaping encouragement upon them. Well, church, we belong to one another, don't we? We're part of the same family. And so we encourage each other. That's just what we do. That's what we do. I say, if you need some encouragement, go and find the encouragers and hang out with them. Invite them around for a meal. There you go. (laughs) Serve the encouragers. I mean, that's a win-win. Hey, you're going to feel awesome if you do that. We've We've got some really gifted encouragers in our church. We really do. And I believe that that's the reason why when people come to our church for the first time, they go, wow, there's something really special about this place. It's just really 
encouraging because we've got some awesome encouragers. If you don't know who they are and you need to know who they are because you want to go and get some encouragement, come and talk to me afterwards and I'll tell you who they are, okay? All right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't want to embarrass people with my name and name. So there's a few. There's not just that one. There's a few others out there, okay? We've got a few of them. Um, And if that's you, if you are the encourager, I want you to know you have a vital role to play in this church. You really do. You have a very significant role to play here. Um, All right, the next one, giving. Look, we covered giving last week in in relation to money. You you could apply everything I said last week to concepts of giving your things, giving your resources, giving your time. Just give generously. So I won't cover that one again, but if you missed that sermon, jump online, csekulliman.org. You'll find our sermons on there. You can have a catch-up listen. The next one, leading. This is all about having influence on people and guiding them in life in some way. I think sometimes we confuse leadership with having authoritarian power or control over others, and it really isn't. The Jesus way of leading is servant leadership, isn't it? Uh, There's a book, uh, Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders, and in it he quotes A.W. Tozer. And this is what he says about leadership. A true and safe leader is likely to be the one who has no desire to lead, but is forced into a position by the inward leading of the Holy Spirit and the press of circumstances. There was hardly a great leader from Paul to the present day, but was drafted by the Holy Spirit for the task and commissioned uh, by the Lord to fulfill a position he had little heart for. The man who is ambitious to lead is disqualified. The true leader will have no desire to lord it over God's heritage, but will be humble, gentle, self-sacrificing and altogether ready to follow when the Spirit chooses another person to lead. John Maxwell, who many would consider a leader of leaders, he's written a lot of uh, best-selling books on the topic of leadership. He talks about his journey from seeing leadership as being about doing big things and getting ahead and, and seeing leadership as a bit of a hierarchical pyramid with him at the top and everyone else underneath him at the bottom. And he had a revelation that leadership was not about getting people to, to help him, rather it was actually about him trying to help others and he resolved that by adding value to other people must be at the heart of his leadership and and that became how he measured his success. Now our our capacity to to lead others varies but I believe we all have leadership potential in some way. If we think that leadership is about being extroverted or or persuasive or charming or likeable or popular and achieving big grand things that everyone admires and is clamoring to be part of, then then most of us here today, I would think, would say, you know what, leadership's not your thing. But that's not leadership, okay? That is not leadership. Uh, Glenn, who's not here today, but Glenn last week was telling me about the Sunday School Christmas play out at Area Park. Uh, that that is put on at his parents' church each year, and that's my home church too. And he was talking about how his mum organises the kids and the Christmas play and and leads this as part of the children's ministry of the church. And he was saying, you know, they do a really good job. They put on a really great performance. And it got me thinking a bit. You know, people like his mum and others have served at that church and served those children for 40-plus years. You know, they taught me Sunday school. 
And they're not extroverted, persuasive, powerful people. No one talks about them on Instagram. They haven't published any books. They don't have their own podcast. They have no official title or recognition of what they do. But instead, they quietly, faithfully, each week, set about organising, shepherding, discipling, loving and teaching the kids. They lead the kids. And the fruitfulness of their ministry in teaching these children the gospel and the love of God and, and his word, it has been incredibly significant. You know, when I think about all the kids that I grew up with at that church, I can only think of maybe two or three tops who have not continued on into faith as adults. And, and those two or three were kids whose attendance was really regular at church anyway, you know. That's really significant. And I would say I probably wouldn't be leading a church today if it wasn't for their leadership in my life. Because they helped to bring out um, the, God's best in me. They helped to sow a love of the word in me. That's servant leadership. You know what? I, I think that's the heart of many people sitting here today and, and some who aren't here today too. When you use your gifts on behalf of others, they benefit and God's kingdom benefits too. We belong to each other. For you, for some of you, your special gift will be to lead others in this way. And so I'd ask you, in what ways do you already lead? It's a good test if you're wondering, am I a leader? Am I, am I, am I a leader? Well, am I already doing this stuff? In what ways am I already leading? What would it look like for you to lead others in the context of church life? What would it look like? What do you see yourself doing? You know, is God calling you? Has God planted that little desire in there that you think, oh, that's just not quite me, but that little desire just won't go away. It's just sitting there quietly. Feel free to come and have a chat with me about that sort of thing if, if you think maybe you're called in that area. The next one, mercy, mercy. The early church, you know, they stood out as countercultural because of the way they looked after the vulnerable and the poor and the disabled and the widows, the outcasts of society. Do you know the Romans would place their unwanted baby girls on the hillsides to die from exposure because they didn't want them? The Christians would go out and collect the babies and care for them and raise them as Christians in their homes. It was considered to be radical uh, un-Roman and even unethical to look after the down and outs of society, to show mercy to people. But Christians were the mediators of mercy and it is the work and the witness of the Christian church over the last 2,000 years that has, has created the caring, merciful society that we live in with free education, free health care, government-funded welfare. Today in Western society, we have social workers and mental health workers and government agencies and NGOs and NDISs and, and funding and services to help people. However, that does make it easy for us to outsource mercy, doesn't it? You know, the government will see that it happens. The government will see that that person's looked after. The Salvation Army, they'll make it happen. We belong to each other and we need the gift of mercy in our church as much as we need the gift of leadership. You know, with the rise of mental illness, fractured relationships, people who are broken and sinful, without mercy givers, uh, we become a corporation, don't we, that just, you know, dispenses religious goods and 
services rather than the body of Jesus Christ loving the world and seeing people set free from sin and brokenness and restored to life and living under the lordship of Jesus. You're not going to get that from a government-funded program, are you? You only get that from the church. We need to be the mediators of mercy because we can be the mediators of true mercy. We don't just band-aid people, do we? Hey, we minister mercy right where it's needed, in the spirit. We introduce people to the mercy of Jesus. You know, we should be like the good Samaritan who gave mercy when it was culturally and personally difficult to do it. There's a TV show that I, uh, I was watching a bit of. And in this TV show, there's two church ladies, okay? And they're characterised as being boring and bossy and judgmental people who lack insight and lack compassion and lack genuine love and mercy. And as I watch it, I think, man, that's such an inaccurate stereotype. We're not like that. But sadly, sometimes the church is. You know, that, that is how the outside perceive us. And so that's obviously the impression we give off to other people. I mean, many people's experience of the church is devoid of mercy. We should all show mercy, but if this is your particular gift, know that we need you. We won't look like Jesus without your contribution. There are so many hurting, difficult, fragile, challenging people in our world. And they're looking. They're looking for mercy. They're looking for acceptance. You know, a little catchphrase, love, acceptance, forgiveness. Acceptance is the people's experience of mercy. The mercy others experience through you will be a gateway for them experiencing the mercy of Jesus, the mercy of salvation and the mercy of forgiveness of sins. Mercy givers, we need you. You belong here. God has placed you in our church to minister mercy to everyone who comes, even if they are annoying or difficult or crazy or, or they smell or they irritate everyone or they're unpopular or they're just a bit different. We need you, mercy givers, to teach the rest of us how to be loving and patient and kind with people and to know how to do this cheerfully. Romans, 10, Romans 12, 10 to 12, just as we finish, says this, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in in prayer. I'm going to, in a moment, just close and, and read a prayer from Colossians. But, you know, as our ministry response today, as our response to the sermon, you know, I, I want us to be intentional this afternoon, intentional this week about using these gifts, about belonging to one another. And so I really want you to just take some time with one another this afternoon. See how you can bless each other in some way. Or be blessed by others. And what I'm going to ask that we do in a moment is that we just move a couple of those rows of chairs off to the side. We'll pack up the white chairs and there's a couple more trestle tables. And I just want a few more tables set up today so that we can sit and stop and just linger a little bit more with one another. 
Okay? Does that sound all right? Yeah? Okay. Just want to pray for you guys. Let's, let's bow our heads. I ask that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in, his, in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Father God, we just pray for each and every person who is part of our church. Would you just stir the gifts that you have given each of us? May we just be, have a great desire to, to serve one another with each of those, those unique, special ways you've made us. We thank you for the uniqueness that you've given each one of us and we just release those gifts in Jesus' name that they may be a blessing to one another, that they may build your church, that they may grow your kingdom here in this town and in this shire. Father, would you train us, would you equip us, would you build us up for the work of ministry. We are yours, we belong to you, we belong to each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.